Welcome back, everybody. My name is Kira Lyons, and this is the starting rotation brought to you by First Round and the Edmonton Stingers. Tonight, it's just Jason and I. We're just going to be chatting about some CEBL, some U Sports, our women's national team. It has been a pretty exciting time for the CEBL, correct? Yeah, it's it's this month with free agency opening up. It's been um, quite interesting. It's not a, a free agent frenzy by any means, but it's you know teams are are slowly piecing their teams together a little bit, and we obviously started it off and kicked it off with signing Xavier Moon. And then we followed it up with signing Matthew Camba, and now some of the other teams have uh, signed some guys this past couple weeks. And you're seeing a lot of familiar faces, especially with Niagara and Guelph. Um, with Niagara re-signing the uh, league's top Canadian last year in uh, Guillaume Bucard. And this week, they signed Dorian Pinson, two key parts of their team last year. And I think you're going to see a lot of that with teams where they're, they're really going to try to bring some of their core guys back from year to year to, to build that chemistry and that continuity. Yeah, for sure. I can imagine that carrying those foundational pieces into next season would be a huge priority for pretty much all of the programs. So kind of tell me about the interest in the league this year in comparison to last year. I know that starting up a brand new, not only brand new, but Canadian basketball, which for a long time, you know, had a negative connotation attached to it. What does it feel like this year with people reaching out or just the interest in general of guys wanting to come and play in the CEBL? I think what they saw last year was a league that was stable and, and a league that is on the cusp of being the next big basketball league in this country, and they want to be a part of it. And you're going to see the league grow over the next number of years, and you're going to see the quality of basketball being played in the league grow as well. The amount of interest that not only our organization with the Stingers, but across the league of players getting involved, I mean, when you add a team like Ottawa, you know, and you look at the history of basketball in, in Ottawa with Dave Smart and the Carlton Ravens, I mean, they, they have such a rich history. And when you bring in a guy like Dave Smart to, to be the general manager of that team, that's huge for not only for, for that market, but for our league as well, because... I mean, you look at what Carlton's done. Yeah, he's got a pretty good resume. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he's uh, hands down the best uh, men's university basketball coach this country's ever seen. It's it's only going to help our league grow. And I think overall, just, you know, the, the interest I this year, like we're literally fielding calls from people from all over this country and outside of Canada wanting to be part of this league. And it's really exciting to be a part of. And I've even experienced the kind of spillover of the interest. Like last year, nobody was reaching out to me asking me about what I thought about the CEBL or that they were interested in playing. And I have a couple pictures up on my social media because I hosted the games last year. And I've gotten emails and messages from people who, how do I... How do I try out for this team? Who do I need to get involved with? Who do I send my highlight video to? And and so if, if uh, Coach Small is listening, I've been sending them all your way. So I hope that it's appreciated. Um, but yeah, it's been actually really cool to see that even from my end. So I can't imagine what it's like, you know, on a more inside role with the CBL and seeing who is interested, the types of players that are interested and where they're from and the skills that they bring. And that's really exciting. So I'm, I'm pumped to hear that. Yeah, and I look at, you know, like the, the league itself when you have, you know, Fraser Valley. They, they had a tough go around last year, you know, a lot of players in and out and, and they have, they basically, after one year, they've kind of tore it all down and started it back up and... You know, they made their first player signing under their new GM head coach, Kyle Julius, and they signed Kyle Johnson, who's a former Olympian. He's a bit older, but, you know, he's a, he's a veteran player that uh, has a ton of experience. And, I mean, that's a piece that they, you know, um, can look to to build around. And, uh, 
you know, that's that's exciting. Yeah, for sure. It seems like there's exciting things happening kind of all over the league, which is good for everybody involved. So that that's great to hear. I also know that the Stingers game experience will be changing a little bit this summer. So we had the FIBA pre-Olympic qualifiers hosted in the Stingers gym at the Hive. The lighting was different. It had a different feel to it. From my understanding is that they have decided to adopt that look a little bit more to the Stingers games. So tell me a little bit about that, what the thought process behind it was and what you expect. Well, I think, you know, last year when you came to a game, a Stingers game, it was, you know, the atmosphere was, you know, amazing and it was very intimate. The vibe was really intimate. But when people think about the Expo Center, they have this thought of Klondike days and K-days and they think of it as like, you know, an old barn you know, where they hold rodeos and dog shows and, you know, they don't think of basketball, right? You know, I thought last year everything was, you know, the vibe in there was really good and the atmosphere was really good, but we we really, you know, the Expo Center really wanted to sink a lot of money into into making it a better fan experience. The lighting, I mean, you were there at the uh, Expo Center uh, during the, the FIBA qualifiers and the lighting was just, it was just so focused on the court and it, it almost had that like Lakers showtime type feel to it. You know, we want to be able to give our fans a, a, a not only a good experience when they're watching the game on the court, but an experience when they go, it's it's more than just basketball. It's it's an experience for them. And, and I think that's the, the one of the big keys um, going into 2020. Being a part of the Stingers games last year, and then I did some uh, broadcast analyzing on the women's side of the FIBA that was in November, it definitely had a different feel. The A completely different experience, if I'm going to be completely honest. When you come into a Stingers game, I loved the Stingers atmosphere. I loved how intimate it felt, how you felt like you were connected to the court and everything was so close. It just it, There was so much emotion involved because... Everyone, you know, it was just such an intimate feeling with the players. And although the FIBA setup, I thought, looked very professional, it was clean, it was bright, it was, it looks great on TV, it, all of those different things. And I think that that is a completely separate atmosphere and, and beautiful in itself. Do you think that changing the way that the atmosphere was last year is a good idea? Or do you think that that was something that fans connected with? I think fans connected with it. But where I see the biggest difference is, when fans go there, they're still going to be able to connect in that same way. It's just when you look at it from a from an experience standpoint, the lighting is going to be so much better. It's just got that more, that showtime type vibe. Yeah. Right? Um, you're still going to be really connected with our with the team and you can still sit courtside and, and reach out and, and touch the guys if you want to. But don't. But don't. No, <laughs> yeah, we don't, don't do that. Do, don't be doing that. <laughs> um, you know, unless, unless they come over to you and they want to high five, by all means. But otherwise... Uh, <laughs> You'll get you the guys like Kyle Lowry getting fans kicked out of the stadium. And, you know, we don't need any of that. <laughs> no, we don't need that. But I don't think when you were talking about just the, the atmosphere, the atmosphere is going to be that, but improved from last year. That's where you're going to see the difference. And then when you look at it from, if you aren't able to come to a game and you're watching online, the quality, the, 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 the picture quality is going to be so much stronger and so much better. That's that's the one thing that I keep thinking about is how much better it's going to look on the broadcast. So I hope that it's not changing it from like that intimate feel of the game to separating the players from the fans. I hope that it's a, a really nice blend of it's going to look great on broadcast, it's going to look awesome, but it's still going to have that backyard feel. And that's the biggest thing. We want to be able to have our fans to be able to connect 
with our players and, and feel that connection. And when you look at the 2020 season, we are really focusing on bringing that element to a higher level. You know, we're working on an, on an intro video that is, it's going to give you goosebumps. Honestly, as a fan, you're going to literally come in and, and watch, you know, our, our intro video and just get goosebumps before tip off. What, what sports fan or basketball fan doesn't want that feeling when they walk through those doors and sit in their seat to get that feeling just pregame? Oh, anyone I talked to that actually went to a game had an unbelievable experience. They were like, I've been raving to my friends, telling them about how they need to go check out a game. And they're still skeptics, obviously, and I've ran into them. And I'm like, come to a game. Just come to a game, experience it, because you will not leave unhappy. You just won't. It was such a great inaugural season, and I'm so excited as well. But that is all we have on the CEBL right now. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with the starting rotation. Edmonton Stingers season tickets are on sale now. Season tickets start at just $249. That's less than $20 a game. Check out thestingers.ca for more information. Get your Stingers season tickets today. We are back with the starting rotation brought to you by the Edmonton Stingers and First Round. We are now going to talk a little bit about our national team, our women's team. Uh, obviously, our men's team hasn't quite qualified yet, but um, <laughs> hopefully on our way to talking about them qualifying as well. But our women's national team has officially qualified for the Tokyo 2020, which is absolutely insane. Their third Olympics in a row. Really exciting for where this program is going. They knocked off Belgium, Sweden, and Japan um, at the qualifying tournament in Belgium. They're looking really good going into 2020. So a very similar team to kind of what we saw here in Edmonton for the pre-qualifiers. A few different names on the list, obviously, but very similar. So what do you think about the type of team that Canada has put together? And, and what are your expectations as they go into the Olympics. I'm, I know I'm not expecting, but really, really hoping for a medal. Well, I, I look at this year's team and, and in 2016, they had so many veterans and they had a younger group that was coming up. And this year they have that group that got to experience 2016. They still have, they have a, you know, a real, you know, grizzled veteran in, in Kim Gocher. It doesn't matter if she plays six minutes or 26 minutes, she finds a way to make an impact. Well, and her leadership just radiates throughout the entire culture that is the national team. It is. It is. It's, it's you know, uh, and just she's incredible. But I love the makeup of this team this year. Not that I didn't like the makeup of 2016's team, but looking at this roster, um, if it stays intact going into the summer, I, I love the youth they have and some of the younger core that was part of the 2016 team that are going to take on even a bigger role. And then you have, you know, someone like a Bridget Carlton who, you know, she's going to play a, a big factor. Kayla Alexander, it'll be her first Olympics. You look at those two. Shayna Pellington, if, if she's on that roster, I mean, she's she's basically a carbon copy of what Naira Fields brought to uh, the national team. She plays a very similar style. I really like the mix of this team. They have a lot of speed, they're physical, and they can play a lot of different ways. They can beat you a lot of different ways. It's going to be fun to watch. And I know how disappointed they were in 2016's result. And there's enough of them returning that that still stings. It still stings. And, and you look at some of the, the group that will be part of this team that will be their first Olympics. And I know that even though maybe they didn't experience it in 2016, they know how much. Because these girls that are part of this program, I mean, these women are so ingrained in the culture of the, the program, the blood and sweat and tears that they, they put th 
forward for this program. Uh, it just trickles down it into does. the younger generations coming up for sure. Like it I know does. that um, even though those women that are the first timers going to the Olympic this time, I'm sure that they watched those games and felt the pain that because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's their goal too. And watching these people that were role models and mentors and friends and lose out in a bit of a heartbreaking way. I'm sure that they felt that too. And now that they're a part of the team, they'll carry that with them. Uh, one thing that I actually find pretty interesting is I think our women's team is playing a little bit of small ball, which seems like that's the way the game is going because the two or two names that were here for the pre-qualifier that weren't at the qualifying tournament were Ruth Hamlin and Quinn Dornstetter. Both, they're bigs. Yep. Uh, Ruth Hamlin's 6'6". Six, six. I think Quinn is around there as well. like Very tall anyways. Um, but... Both of them were left off the roster at the qualifiers, and it looks like they have went with a bit more lean, athletic players rather than having the traditional really big five. How do you think that's going to play out for them when they play, say, Australia with like Elizabeth Cambage? The way I look at it is I remember in 2016 and talking with, with Lisa, that was one of the things they were missing was that big. Mm-hmm. But you look at just in the last four years, the way the game is changing, you know, you look at the NBA, it's a lot of... There's a lot of teams that play small ball. Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets. All in on the small ball. And like, right. who knows, right? Yeah. But I look at the way this team is built. Yes, they maybe don't have that true big. But when you have someone like a Natalia Chanwa, who's just her experience alone. But I mean, the heart and fire that she plays with when she steps on that court. She creates a mismatch in her own right. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of those women do. It's yep. instead of thinking of it as a way like, well, when they have a true big five, you know, there's going to be a mismatch down low that, yep. you know, it's going to be tough to get rebounds. But when you play the small ball and you play with the athleticism that our Canadian team has, because holy, that roster is so incredibly athletic. And like you look at them and I know from the pre-qualifiers, even in comparison to the other teams, like Canada looked like Olympians and they stood out because they are so athletic, but then they create their own mismatches because now they have girls that are or women sorry that are six four six five that can run that can leap that are quick and smart and that creates a mismatch when they have their big five as well so it's it's really a difference in coaching style and and how well you can execute your style which is obviously the goal always but i i'm really excited about it because i think it's going to be an exciting way to play yeah and you look at someone like a uh, nile rinkaka kunwe I mean, that girl, sorry, that woman, <laughs> I, she's honestly one of my favorite players to watch on the team. Because she's crazy athletic. She's so athletic. She gets off the floor so fast. Yes. It's nuts. And when she when she goes to work in the paint, she puts her work boots on and she goes to work. And her footwork. And her footwork is so incredible. She, and how is someone who's four or five inches taller than her going to keep up with her foot speed? They can't. Or in so transition, they can. They can. because Canada is going to transition the lights out. Yep. But Key uh, a nurse, you know, like throwing it to Rainkock Akunwe or whoever wants to basically break down or nurse breaking down. Everyone can run. It's crazy. And the thing I love about their guards, when you look at a Kia nurse or a Bridget Carlton or, you know, the list goes on, they aren't afraid to to get down in the, in the paint and go for a rebound. I mean, Bridget Carlton could easily put up 10 points in a game but and six rebounds. Yeah. You know, and she's a shooter. You know, Kia Nurse, same thing. They have Lots so many different shooters. weapons. They have so many different weapons. Yeah. And the thing with that team that is so dangerous is yes, teams will key on someone like a Kia Nurse, but you can't, you can only contain her. 
You know, you can't really shut her down. You can only key on her so much because there's so many other weapons. Exactly. And they have so many weapons that you don't know who's going to go off. And that's the true sign of a, of a dangerous team where, yeah, you can game plan around one particular person and say, okay, we're going to shut down a Kia nurse. But then Natalia Chanwa is going to just wreak terror in the paint or, you know, someone else is going to step up and-, and Bridget Carlton's going to hit a bunch of threes. Yep. Or whatever. And you know what's funny is we haven't even talked about their defense. Like everything that we have touched on was basically surrounding their offense, whereas- I think their defense might be more dangerous because that leads to so many transition points because they're quick, they're smart, they're long, you know, like yep. these are all crazy good tools to have on the defensive side and they can play multiple types of defenses with the personnel that they have. I look at this roster and I mean, I, I know 2016 ended in heartbreak for them, but I look at 2020 and they've been building for this. They've been building oh, for this. Yeah. You know, you look at a, at someone like a Natalia Chanwa. She's not that far removed from her NCAA career, and this is already going to be her third Olympics. Which is nuts. Which and there's a crazy. lot of them on there, but it's it's like a perfect storm of veteranness, youth, athleticism, and grit. Yeah. And I think that that makes them very dangerous and super exciting. It does. And, you know, I want the, obviously I want them to go there and win a gold medal. I of think course. every Canadian will yeah. want that. But if they go there and they win a bronze medal or they play in the gold medal game and they finish with silver, I'll be so incredibly proud just because I know the amount of work. I've been following this team since 20, since the 2016 Olympics. And the and, loyalty they have uh, to that program. Like we talked about with the pre-qualifiers, you know, Kian Nurse flew in for three or four days from Australia. So unbelievably jet-lagged, coming to a tournament that they should probably win even without her presence, yep. but shows up because not only is she very dedicated to the program, but she's dedicated to Canada basketball in general and growing the game. And that is why I think there's so much support for our women's program too, because they show how much they appreciate the fans and and Canada basketball as a whole. You look at, you know, you mentioned Kia coming from Australia. Bridget Carlton came from Australia. You had Maya Marie Langlois who came from Russia and she couldn't even play in the tournament because <laughs> yeah. she was injured. Yeah. Like, what dedication. is that? It's such dedication. Yeah. And I, I want people to get behind this team because not only are they, you know, representing our country, but they are so you know, connected with our city. They train here. And they're every, incredible role models. They are. And just mentors and just amazing women. The things that they do outside of basketball too, which we will get into another time. But um, I really hope that our men's program follows suit with the loyalty and they show up and, and play at the qualifiers so that we can be cheering for both our men's and women's programs because what an amazing summer that would be for Canada basketball holy yeah, it would be pretty incredible it would be uh, we're going to take another break and we will be right back with the starting rotation Edmonton Stingers season tickets are on sale now season tickets start at just $249 that's less than $20 a game check out thestingers.ca for more information get your Stingers season tickets today Thank you. 
and welcome back to another segment of the starting rotation presented by First Round Pub and the Edmonton Stingers. Here, some U Sports basketball playoff times coming up this week. Obviously, we had the playoffs start last weekend, but here in Edmonton, close to home, we have both the University of Alberta Golden Bears and Pandas in action. We'll start off on the women's side. What do you think in this next round in the in the final eight? We will say, and they have a little bit of a different playoff format. How do you see the women's side shaking down? I mean, it's it's not an easy thing to predict, which I, I mean, obviously, the further you go in any season, the harder it becomes to predict what's going to happen. But there's been some pretty big surprises on the women's side and some like really weird wins and losses, like Sask beating Calgary and holding them to 38 points. Like what? And then Vic taking some games off of people and Alberta coming out and taking a game off Calgary and Sask at the end and all these different teams that haven't played each other but have played each other's opponents and now they're meeting up in the final. So it's really hard to know. Um, so this Thursday, though, at Sask, uh, Winnipeg uh, takes on UBC. And I'm thinking that UBC is probably going to come out of that. I don't think it's necessarily going to be an easy game, but they did beat them both times that they faced each other this year. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that probably UBC will come out of there, but I think it'll be a good game. The games that they played, it was 81-62, and the second game on Saturday was 76-70. So it's going to be a battle. The other game that's going on in Sask is Victoria versus Sask. Obviously, <laughs> as, a, as a Husky, Sask 100% is going to come out of there, in, in my opinion. But Vic, again, like they upset Alberta and they, you know, had some really close games and they didn't lose by lose to Sask that Friday by very much. Like they got swept, but at the same time, the Friday night, they only lost 73-68. Like that's a very close game. So I also think it's no one's going to be rolling over in any of those matches um, and they're going to be tough ones and everyone's going to have to show up or they're going to get beat. The other matchups are um, at Calgary, and that's UNBC, and they take on Calgary on Friday. Or sorry, that's Thursday as well. Again, I, I, I'm thinking Calgary's probably going to come out of that just because they're one in Can West, and they've been you know up and down one and two in the country. So I, I just assume just because they've been doing so well that they're probably going to take down UNBC, and they already swept them, beat them pretty handily on the Friday that they played, 71-46, and then... Second game was 67-58. So again, like I have all these picks that I'm pretty confident in who's going to come out, but those are close games. Those are close games. And for the most part, these games are early in the season too. So a lot of teams have grown a lot and changed a lot since then. So they're all going to be really good matchups. And then the semifinals on Friday, obviously to be determined from that. I'm really looking forward to the women's side, but there's a lot going on with the men's side as well. So tell me a little bit about what's happening, what your expectations are. What I'm interested, like Alberta and, and Calgary, they were the top two teams in the conference all year. So Calgary and University of Alberta are hosting the quarterfinals and semifinals this weekend. Fraser Valley will play Calgary and then UBC will play Saskatchewan. Those are two great matchups. UBC has been ranked in the top 10 all year long, and Saskatchewan has been ranked for most of the year in the top 10. They're not longer in the top 10, but you know that in a neutral, in a neutral setting, that's a toss-up. I would lean more towards UBC because they got a little bit more uh, veteran experience. But which again, goes a long way. Which goes a long yeah. way. If that game was played in UBC, I would say UBC hands down because they're so tough at home. But in Calgary, I mean, anything can happen. Here in Edmonton, You've got uh, Manitoba and Victoria that play on Saturday, and you've got Lethbridge and Alberta. I look at the Manitoba-Victoria matchup. 
Manitoba is a team that quietly is, has been one of the top teams in the conference. They're in, they're ranked in the top 10. They're a dangerous team. A little bit of a dark horse, maybe. A little maybe. bit of a dark horse. But I also look at Victoria and their team. They're the only team to knock off Alberta. And that was early on this year. Yeah, that was before Brody was back. Though, that was, right? Yeah, this was within the first month of the season. Not to take that away from them, but no. it, does, it is different. It is different. But Victoria was a team that I've looked at as a, as a bit of a dark horse that, you know, depending on who they match up with, could sneak in there and maybe mm-hmm. go on a bit of a run. And, and then the, the final quarterfinal matchup is Lethbridge and Alberta. And these teams will be meeting for the third time in a row uh, <laughs> in the playoffs. And I can't go against the University of Alberta. They're just, they're playing on a whole other level right now. The one thing that we had kind of talked about is the format of the playoffs, which I don't know that I agree with because knocking a team out in a one game. So after these semifinals, it's the next weekend and it's a one game final, which so I don't who, know about that. So anyone who doesn't know, the previous playoff format is uh, they used to do best of three series to determine the the winners that would move on. And when I played, it was best of three series and then there was a final four tournament. So it, it was a one game knockout, but you, it was more fun or like, I mean, I don't know if it was more fun because I haven't tried this obviously as a player, <laughs> but to me, like I loved the tournament atmosphere. I loved that you had to win a series to get there because I feel like the series format allows for the best teams to come out on top. And I think that in a one game and in a, in a top four tournament scenario, like it's still one game knockout, but it feels a little bit different. But a series, I think, to me, the better team is more likely to win. Whereas if it's a one game, anyone can kind of win. And I want to see the best teams compete. Now, I agree with you in that sense. And up until probably this year, I would have I would have been fully on board with that. Now it's a one game, you know, one game knockout. Uh, but in talking with coaches about their thoughts on it, and just in the Canada West in general. For years and years and years, the Canada West has had the playoff format with the best of three going up all the way to the final four. Then they changed it, and they didn't do the final four, and they would still do a a best of three up until the Canada West final, and then it was a one game. Teams would be going through grueling three-game series, and they'd have little to nothing left as they go to nationals. And you have the OUA teams out of Ontario that are doing the one games. And they're fresher. But then you might not also get the best teams out of there, even if they're fresh. But I will say this, Kier. Everyone loves March Madness, right? Everyone wants to see your favorite college that you might cheer for go far. But you love the Cinderella story. The Laolas of Chicago from a couple of years back, where they went on that, that, that big run to the Final Four. You know, and I think this opens it up where you have a team that maybe gets hot in the right time and can get you know, who, who wouldn't want to necessarily see a team that maybe isn't necessarily a, a powerhouse get to the final eight. So you, it opens up that opportunity as well. I mean, you still want to see the best of the best, but if a team can, can rally together and get in the playoffs and go on a hot run. But I will argue if you get on a hot run, you should be able to do that in a series as well, right? Like if you're peaking at the right time and you're on a hot, hot streak, then you should be rewarded with wins. And that shouldn't change whether you're in a series or a single game elimination. And to me, I get the, the Cinderella story, the excitement of the March Madness, the single knockout. I, I, I completely understand the fan building and the experience of the whole thing. But personally, I want to see the best teams play each other in a final because I think that that would create the best game. And I don't think that that format necessarily allows for that because it most of the time in basketball in a single elimination, if the best team plays well, they should win anyways. But 
there are always those games that kind of come out of nowhere where you just can't buy a basket or the team that you're playing never shot, you know, a higher percentage than 35 all season long. And all of a sudden they're shooting 75 from the three or one person goes off for 40 in a night. And I like, and that's super exciting too. And I think that you should be rewarded with a win in that situation, but you shouldn't be rewarded with beating somebody out because you beat a better team in one game. That's true. I mean, I, 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 that's a very great point and valid point. Yeah, it's just, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is I, I mean, if a team gets, if a favorite team gets knocked out at some point in the, in the semifinal, let's say it happened last year on the men's side with Alberta losing in the Canada West semifinal to UBC, they got the wild card spot. They had to go and play Carleton in national championship, which is no easy task by any mm-hmm. means, but they still were able to get there. There's all these other different factors into it that, that play a role as well, but this is the first year for it. I just, I want the best way for me is I want to see the teams battle and I want to see the best teams come out and play at the top because that's what I think is best for basketball is having the best competitive teams play each other on the biggest stage. And I can't agree with you more. I, mm-hmm. I want to see the best of the best. When I was at the national championship two years ago in Halifax, that was one of the most incredible experiences of my career. I went to the finally tournament in Halifax for men's basketball and I went to the university cup and men's hockey uh, the week later. Um, and that two weeks was honestly, from my journalism career, sports journalism career, that was th- that two-week period was one of the biggest highlights of my entire career. To see uh, a Ryerson team knock off an undefeated Carleton team, and when I talked to Dave Smart, and he said, prior to the tournament, we could easily get knocked off. We're a young team. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> and, and Ryerson comes through and, and with that upset. And then they go and play Calgary, and that, game went down right to the final possession and that's uh, what you want that's you know, oh man those exciting games like you never want to watch somebody who you're like you know maybe they they got a little lucky to yeah. get to the final the way that it was set up or the the opponents they had to play or you know maybe the final happened in or the final everyone expected happened in the semifinal or whatever yeah. but when you get the two best teams in that big final game and everyone's so pumped up and they know they're the two best teams and they're yep. ready to prove who's better and it's just you do you want to see the best for sure that's all we got for you this evening i uh i could talk about this for hours more and i know that jason could as well but we don't want to bore you thanks so much for tuning in to episode three of the starting rotation my name is kira Lyons, joined with jason hills and as always producer zach so thanks so much for listening if you want to check out Our earlier episodes or episodes that are coming out pretty soon, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a few more places as well. So again, thanks so much, and we will talk to you soon.